Good morning, everybody, one, and welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. I'm live from the Arctic tundra of Northeast Georgia, and Joe Rayo is live from the heat box in the Hudson Valley. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. And of course, now that this quote unquote cooler weather has arrived for the Northeast and Northern Mid-Atlantic states, you might start thinking about winter time and salt and how expensive it rock salt is. Well, Omni's got the best prices in town. Also, Pelado and Mag Ice Pellets and Flakes and everything you need to get through the winter. 631-756-1125. OmniTrueValue.com is the website. Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. It's getting close to Halloween, so you're probably a little late for that, but you can get uh, get to them for Christmas. They've got wreaths, garland, Christmas balls, Christmas trees, and all those lovely little statues of Santa and his elves. Uh, uh, whether you want your home decorated or maybe you want uh, to do this as a business or this is your business, they're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York. Their phone number is 631-957-5106, and the website uh, is liholidaylighting.com. So, Mr. Rayo, here we are. Um, you can guess what my low temperature was this morning. And if you, uh, uh, you know, if, 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 you, if you can guess it within, one within two degrees without going over, you'll get to spin that wheel and win the potential to win $1,000 in a bonus spin. How about 35 degrees? Oh, you looked it up, didn't you? No, I didn't. Really? 35. That was my low. Wow. That was well, the that was the low. Actually, it was a little it was a little warmer here. It only got down to 39. That was the low at the Blairsville Airport it was 35. 35 this wow. morning. And in fact, uh, the only place in the United States that has a, any kind of frost advisory up is is on the North Carolina side of me. Uh, as you head up uh, into uh, the Southern Appalachians, they have a um, they have a frost advisory up for tonight for a handful of counties. Meanwhile, did you get below? And for, did and you for get all of you, and, and for all of you out there who voted and said that I would get to freezing before Joe, <laughs> or that I would see the first frost advisory before Joe, how do all of you feel now? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and your low this morning after the cold front passed. I, I didn't even check. I can tell you that we had a, a copious amount of rain, something on the order of about uh, almost three quarters of an inch. Oh, nice. Uh, and, I didn't, and I didn't see most of this because I was visiting my mother in the Bronx. And did you hear that? What's, what's that? It was 40, 48. 48. To, I, beat you, uh, I beat you by yes. 13 degrees. Yes. Yes. So I got a, <laughs> I got a hot, I got my hot top cup of coffee. It's keying out a little bit. Let me see if I can, can you see it there? There's my mug. It keeps keying out. So I've got my hot cup of coffee and I had to actually turned, I did ha had to turn the heat on because the house temperature dropped down to 60. So I turned on my heat to 62, which is where I keep it during the winter months. And, uh, 
I got my switch, my my little my my hoodie. Whoops, I got my hoodie on to keep me warm. And JJ's lying down on the New York Giants blanket because that's about all it's good for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe they should be the ones that take a bye. Well, the, the Jets too. The Jets are pretty much in the same boat. They've got the bye week this week. But uh, I was not here when all this happened. Uh, uh, as I said, I was uh, down in the Bronx visiting my mom and my sister, and uh, Renata had uh, her trusty uh, iPhone, uh, and she was watching the radar. We couldn't watch the radar, you know, up where down where we were in the Bronx. Back in the day, I could turn on Channel 61 and watch News 12 traffic and weather and be assured that I'd see a radar at least every two minutes, but... They were showing some nonsense that had nothing to do with weather, so what were they we had to rely on the iPhone. What were they I don't selling? Know. You know, that, that, that's the thing. I mean, they, between midnight and 6 in the morning, for example, nonstop, it's infomercials. And um, either they were showing something that had nothing to do with the weather or traffic, they, a news report. They call it News 12 Plus now. So you're getting additional information that you normally would have seen on News 12 now on <laughs> Channel 61. Additional information the, the that, you, line, that you didn't ask for and you don't need. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I, the one thing I wanted was to look at a radar, so we had to rely on the iPhone, and it showed a very sharp, albeit narrow, but a very sharp and significant. Actually, there were two lines that moved on through my right. house uh, last night. The first line was the one that obviously did a number on uh, Renata's uh, spike plants. These look like palm trees, but they're in big, gigantic um, uh, buckets and they're out front and they're standing right along the driveway. Every single one of them were, were, was knocked down. The, the garbage pail knocked down. And I mean, it must have been quite a wind that came on through with that line of showers and storms uh, last evening. But again, I saw none of it when I got when we got back last night. All we saw was a wet driveway. And uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool out there this morning, Joe. But as we talked about when we last were together uh, last week, there's going to be a lot of instability out there today. Yes. And so it will probably Sal, bright, poor Sal, poor Sal Blandino. Uh, he, uh, he is just, I can't even mention it's gotten to where I can't even mention a cloud or a shower without him going without him losing it. But, uh, right. you know, he'll, he settled down a little bit though. I will say that he's better than what he was. Well, we might see a shower, I think, uh, or maybe a sprinkle before the day is over with. Uh, it's bright and sunny now, but it'll probably cloud over quickly after the noon hour. And uh, that instability translating into perhaps a shower or a sprinkle in a few spots before uh, the end of the afternoon. Then under the cover of darkness tonight, it clears. And then we have some beautiful weather to look at, beautiful fall weather to look at for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and probably even for much of Thursday as well. And then an even stronger, looks like to me, Joe, a stronger push of chillier air moving our way for the end of the weekend to next weekend. Yeah, no, I totally am in line on that. I mean, it's been it's been uh, the cold front that went through yesterday up and down the east east coast. I mean, that's that has to be the first front uh, to go through in about two weeks. Uh, it, it, we've been sort of stuck in this sort of blocky ridge position here in the eastern United States. But that's that's changed now because everything is starting to move uh, across from west to east. Uh, we're getting a little bit of Canada influence. But, 
you might some some of you may ask the question. Well, you, you know, how come we've got a pattern that should bring down cold air? Well, how come it's not really doing doing that? I mean, we've got temperatures down that have basic, although it's below normal here, no question. But I mean, it's brought things certainly near back to at least near normal, maybe a shade below when you do all the averages out over the next day or two. But why isn't it any colder than that? And the reason is that for the last several weeks, uh, there's been no there's been no cross polar flow at all in Canada. It's all, all the air in Canada has actually been coming out of the southwest from the Pacific, running up to the northeast. So there's been no. There's been no mechanism up there to manufacture some colder air, and it's going to take a while uh, in this blocky pattern. I mean, I think eventually you're going to start to see some of those, you know, colder air masses, like you pointed out, maybe behind the front next uh, late this week. That that looks to be colder, but uh, you know, it's been above normal temperature-wise in most of Canada. So until it, until that corrects itself, uh, it's it we we'll have to just sit back and wait for for let's call it genuine cold to come down. It will eventually, but right. just, not, just not right now. Yes, yes. And are you still, uh, I, I saw something I had not seen in a very long time. Uh, we'll get to it, I'm sure, before the uh, before this session is over, that at NHC, they have posted nothing, yeah. nothing, nada, for the next 48 hours on their, uh, on the, in fact, I, I think not only just for, for uh, the Atlantic Basin, but for the Pacific and Central Pacific. Quiet. Everything is quiet. Maybe, maybe the uh, the tropical tropical story is over with. Well, then again, maybe. Well, not. I don't know. Uh, as as uh, I've said it a few times, and I guess it's worth saying it again. Uh, there's a, there is a weak correlation uh, between uh, uh, when hurricane seasons on the Atlantic side shut down early. Uh, there's a weak cor correlation with that and with the. Um, uh, upcoming winter season uh, that uh, it again it's a weak correlation but there is one there that would suggest that the east would be colder than average the east is a big place okay uh we'll talk in every place east of the mississippi so it doesn't work exactly for every single spot but uh, again a weak correlation uh from that standpoint also a couple of things to note is the fact that uh, the Central Pacific uh, for, has not now. When we talk about hurricanes in the Central Pacific, we're talking about hurricanes that develop in the Central Pacific region, which is basically west of 140 degrees west to the international dateline. Uh, there's not been a tropical cyclone or a tropical storm, a tropical cyclone of any kind, be it a storm, a depression, or a hurricane, to form in that region this season, and that that actually is not unusual. Uh, they um, have, uh, you know, especially when you're in a La Nina pattern that tends that's colder than normal water temperatures on the Pacific side from the around the equator. So it kind of makes sense that that you wouldn't see uh, tropical cyclones form in the eastern Pacific. And in fact, I think if you go back, I don't remember the exact stretch of years. I want to say from 2012, 13. Uh, right on to uh, through 2014, 50, somewhere in that stretch in there, there were three seasons in a row where the Central Pacific did not produce a single tropical cyclone. So, and, you know, they, they went three years not seeing a storm form in that region because they have their own set of names. The other interesting thing I've been reading about, by the way, I just thought I'd bring it up because it's a, it's a 
It's part of the climate change conversation, and I don't really want to go into it other than to mention the fact that I've seen a couple of stories about this. And I don't know, I, I follow um, uh, Dr. Amy Butler, who I believe works out of Colorado State University. I'm not 100% sure on that part of it, but she's very big on, you know, she's kind of the doctor, the, uh, the the female version of Dr. Judah Cohen, and she puts a lot of stuff that is very highly mm. technical. Uh, and admittedly, most of it I don't I don't quite understand. But uh, she posted up an interesting uh, uh, link to an interesting article about the fact that over the last 20 years, I mean, we we talk about the the lack of sea ice on the, uh, the the lack of sea ice in the Arctic. Okay, but what that doesn't get talked about often is the sea ice situation in Antarctica, which has been expanding for the last 20 years. And in fact, I did see something about, I did see something in the last week or so talking about the fact that the temperatures this past winter in it, because now they're going into their spring, they are in their spring, but the winter temperatures in Antarctica this year were, the, were some of the coldest on record. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that you've got this, you know, the Arctic's doing one thing, the, the, the North Pole's doing one thing, the South Pole is doing something else. So I don't know what that, you know, and I, I'm not saying I'm not bringing this up for the standpoint because I because all the, you know, the, the folks that that are on uh, one side of the debate or the other are going to point to to that. Oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, they're going to point to it and say, you see, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I'm bringing this up because and she even said she doesn't quite understand it. Uh, you know, they don't know why this is happening. The initial blame was, well, it's because of the uh, hole in the ozone that was in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, that hole is gone. It's closed up. So they can't. So that was, that's not the reason. So it's, it's just kind of interesting that you've got these two, the two opposite things seem to have been happening over the last 15 or 20 years. The warmer North Pole and the colder South Pole. You know what I think, Joe? I think you or I should uh, go to the go to uh, Antarctica or go to the South Pole and investigate ourselves and then come back and tell well, everybody what one, one of us one of us have seen. So I guess we'll have to work on that over the next yeah, uh, you know what? In the, I, think the coming it, week. I think it's a good idea that you should go to the uh, to Antarctica to investigate. I, I you know totally agree with that. But if if we do if you decide to do go on this experimental journey that you want to go on, uh, may may I may, may I suggest that uh, you line up um, interviews with the uh, Adeli penguins, uh, the emperor penguins, uh, the leopard seal. The leopard seal would make a very good interview. And if you run into an occasional <laughs> right, and if you run into the occasional orca. Okay, uh, you might think about uh, you know we'll get getting them on the show. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if we do, if one of us does get down there, I'm sure one of us will uh, set up uh, some kind of a situation where we would be live and in person from Antarctica, and uh, that would that would be a feather in our cap, wouldn't it? Oh, I, I yeah, no, that, no, no doubt. I mean, what what weather show could could, could really tout the idea that um, you know, here we are. You are you're in one place. I'm in another. And uh, we're, well, why why not? Let's get let's get the Antarctica angle into all of this. We'll work on it. 
We'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me just get got a couple of little uh, buttons to click here as we uh, go. F oh God! I just closed. I closed something that I wanted to close, and then I just accidentally just opened it again. So just give me a moment here. Uh, I'll bring up the. Uh, I'm going to bring up the U.S. coast to coast. Uh, uh, watches and warnings map. And uh, I'm bringing it up, if only to showcase the fact that there ain't nothing going on. <laughs> I mean, you've got, uh, if you, I mentioned earlier, look in Western North Carolina, right along the Tennessee state line. Now that's right up the spine of the Appalachians there, uh, going from uh, uh, Murphy, North Carolina, which is where if you cross the border to the other side here, 20 miles from here where I am, you're, you're in North Carolina. Uh, so there's a handful of counties uh, in, in Western North Carolina under a frost advisory. I think, let me see, is that a, yes, these are four counties in Northeastern California that have a winter weather advisory and a few wind advisories and a little, one county even has a high, a high wind warning. And that's about it. Nothing in Alaska either. Alaska's nice and quiet. Hawaii is quiet. This is, this is a, this has been a snooze fest of a month when you think about it. Well, yeah, and um, that having been said, uh, aside from again, maybe a, you know, interestingly, when we were in this type of a weather pattern, I always find that we get like a long stretch, a protracted spell of three, four, five days of dry weather, and then when we finally do see precept. It's like as if the precipitation is trying to make up for all the days where we weren't seeing much of anything. Case in point yesterday, Joe, and we had dry weather for several days here. But when we did finally open the door and see precip come, it came with a wallop, short, short term wallop. But I mean, I could attest to that. And again, it looks like the next go around, the next chance for seeing any kind of wet weather around here won't come our way until Friday. And incidentally, uh, if you recall, the forecast for yesterday, originally, the folks over at the Storm Prediction Center said predictability too low. No, they, 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 they said potential too then, low. Potential too potential. low. Potential. Okay, potential too low. But then they put us in, a, in, a, in an area of marginal uh, severe, and then they changed that to a slight chance of severe on Friday and carried it over into Saturday. And uh, I can attest to the fact from looking at my property, that it was every bit probably at least marginal, if not perhaps briefly severe in and around my area. So it just goes to show you that this far out, you may be able to say showers for, let's say, next Friday, whether or not you can say thunderstorms, still a question mark. And even as you get closer in, still the question is, will they be severe? And probably you won't know until maybe the day before. But that's our next chance, I think, is next right. Next Friday for getting wet around here. Yeah, Until then, and, it looks and, like high and dry. Yeah, and and to be fair, uh, th sometimes you can look at something three or four days before and say, you know what, this looks like it has severe weather potential. Uh, sometimes you have to wait till you get there because you have to actually see uh, the, um, you know, just how unstable the atmosphere is going to be. I mean, you, you especially the lower part of the atmosphere. So uh, that, I think, kind of explains what happened 
on uh, yesterday from that's from the forecast standpoint, because you could have looked ahead at Thursday and say, OK, there'll be some showers. Maybe there'll be a few thunderstorms in the mix. But this didn't really look like a severe weather type event from that standpoint. Also, given the time of year, we are in the middle part of October. But it, as we as, as we got closer, the upper trough was stronger. Uh, the daytime heating yesterday was uh, exceptional, really, uh, with the sun. A lot of places uh, had sunshine uh, for a good chunk of the day, the good chunk of the heating part of the day, which is especially short. And the dew points got up into the mid-60s, which is not too shabby for, for uh, yeah. mid-October. Uh, but nothing going on the next few days anyway. If we look at the U.S. satellite loop, uh, you can see the front is still pretty well defined offshore. And as uh, Joe pointed out, because of the fact that you've got this upper trough in the eastern part of the United States, you've got a lot of this instability cloudiness that's uh, up through Pennsylvania and upstate New York that's moving southeastward now. So that's going to get into the mix in the northeast and northern mid-Atlantic states during, uh, during the afternoon hours. Uh, that front, by the way, has gone all the way down into central Florida. Uh, temperatures uh, got down into the 40s uh, all to the uh, Florida state line this morning. So it was very, very cool. And you can see around the country uh, of the satellite, very little happening, a little disturbed weather there uh, in the southwest uh, Gulf of Mexico, which is uh, nothing more than an upper trough. And then if you look from uh, from the uh, north uh, northwest Caribbean, northeastward out into the Atlantic, it's uh, straight southwest winds aloft, so tropical cyclone condition, development conditions are unfavorable and are going to likely uh, remain so. Uh, I don't think this is going to, you know, this obviously, Joe, is doesn't look like last year where we were still banging out one after another after another from the standpoint of tropical cyclone development. I don't think you're going to see that here. We, we you know, I, I would kind of tend to think that we might shut down early. Uh, you maybe we'll get the odd name storm that'll form out somewhere in the Atlantic, or perhaps something comes out of the Northwest Caribbean late in the month or early November. But uh, it, it, we're not going to see, you know, we're done with that, you know, regularity that we saw from the beginning of August to the, to about the, uh, to about Columbus day. Now, you know, what's going to be, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. There'll be a tropical Tomorrow. cyclone, you know, somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I no, 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 no. Tomorrow uh, is a day that, uh, especially all the winter weather fanatics, look forward to every year. Oh, and actually, yes. Back, back in the back in the day, they they being uh, NOAA, and I don't even know if back in the day they had, uh, let's say, 30, 40 years ago, they had a a climate prediction center as they do now. But they used to wait until right after Thanksgiving to announce what the upcoming winter was going to be like in terms of temperature, in terms of precipitation. Uh, now they seem to do it in October. Uh, they, they wait until the middle of October. And it looks like this year, Joe, it's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, every, every month they do put out seasonal forecasts, forecasts for, let's say, October, November, December. December, January, February, which would be meteorological winter. And they even go beyond that into next spring. But tomorrow, if I'm correct, they will make the announcement as to what meteorological winter, December, January, February, looks like for 2021-2022. And before they have that chance, here at Joe and Joe, we are going to give you the jump on things, at least from what I think they're going to be showing, or somewhat what they're going to be showing tomorrow. Um, 
I have looked at the forecast they made for that time frame, December, January, and February, back in mid-September. Uh, uh, the last three months or the last uh, period where they looked at that was in the middle part of September. And I have those graphics, and I don't honestly believe that they're going to change too dramatically from what they're going to announce to the world tomorrow. So I thought if you can give me sharing capability. I already have. I will now show you what uh, likely you will see tomorrow from the folks at the uh, Climate Prediction Center. We will start with the seasonal temperature outlook. Again, valid for what we call meteorological winter, the three coldest months of the year, December, January, and February. This is for 2021 into 2022. Notice the issue date, September 16th, 2021. They did not issue uh, this on October 16th. October 16th was yesterday, a Saturday. Everybody was off. It was a day off for the folks, I guess, at, you know, the government. So, and they didn't do it today. So in all likelihood, in order to fill the gap, they will be issuing their seasonal temperature outlook for December, January, February, 2021, 2022, the new outlook uh, tomorrow, October the 18th. And that, if uh, everything falls into place, will be when <clears throat> they announce to everybody, here's our winter forecast. You can see, <laughs> if you're a winter weather lover, this is not looking like good news because based upon their last seasonal temperature outlook, above normal, covers, oh, I'd say at least two-thirds of the country. And we here in the east are seeing, well, let's see, this is what, uh, 40 to 50. You know, I, I, I love the look of these maps, but I don't like the, you have to figure these things out here. I guess this is 40 to 50 percent, and I guess this is 50 to 60, and this is 60 so to 70 percent. Hang on one second. Here. Hold on a second. Well above normal. Hang, hang on. Just, yeah. No, only because... Um, I want to just check something with, uh, where are you? Oh, I can't do it. Okay. I, I, you know, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I, there was a, you're popping on the audio when we're on the zoom, when you're sharing the maps, which means that I've actually zeroed in on this issue. So that's a good thing. So I can maybe take a look at this later, but go ahead, uh, finish up. I'm going to mute myself for a moment just to make sure that, that that's not causing a problem and, uh, go okay. ahead, pick up on, um, Okay. All right. Well, as I said, you could see that uh, in this uh, moderately dark shade of orange, uh, that is above normal, uh, more above normal for central and southern Florida. Equal chances. What does that mean? That means there's a, a coin toss, 50-50 split that it might be above or below normal over the northern plain states, over the western Great Lakes into parts of the Pacific Northwest, although well north and west, western sections of Oregon, uh, it's below normal, and in extreme western Washington. I did. Hello. Hello, one, two. Oh, how about if I just shut up and I just bring up the map and everybody looks at it for about 10 seconds, or maybe you can make a comment. Okay. 
All right. There we go. No, I, I here I am. I'm back. I'm trying to figure. Yes, it, it apparently. Yeah, I know. To, to tell Mrs. Macy's that we're all knows. set. He knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. Uh, Apparently, when we you sh we share you share maps on Zoom, a, a big audio issue develops. So now that we've unshared it, the audio issue went away. So there's the map. So this is the seasonal temperature map, right? So um, yeah, and you got above in Florida and above just about everywhere. This is December, January, February, three month average. So if one month is very much high, you know, well above average, it's not inconceivable, but the two months that follow could be near average or even below average. This is when you average out 90 days, okay? So a couple of good warm stretches could take you over the top and make this verify, and it might not necessarily reflect the kind of winter it is. Now you go ahead, you keep talking. I'm gonna see if I can fix this. Okay, so now what I'm gonna, now what I'm gonna do this is the seasonal precipitation outlook. And as you can see, there's, uh, for, for where we are here in the New York metropolitan area, we seem to be in the equal chances. So there's an equal chance of above normal or below normal. The above normal seems to be confined mostly in the eastern part of the country to the Great Lakes. Down in your vicinity, Joe, well, you're right on the edge between equal and a bit below normal. Below normal in South Florida and Southern and Northern uh, Northern Florida as well. It looks like uh, Florida is going to have a, uh, a, a, a winter if they're right, that's going to be above normal temperature wise, below normal precipitation wise. That's a nice place maybe to spend a vacation this, this year. And over in uh, the Southwest below normal, this is not good news because after all the wildfires and all of the terrible weather they had in, in the month of uh, June, July, August, September, you would like to see at least to replenish some of the water supply there uh, near or above normal uh, precipitation. It looks like, according to the Climate Prediction Center, below normal across the southwestern states and in the northwest, Pacific Northwest. Well, what do you else expect? It's going to be a station okay. probably raining along Un and above normal in the uh, mountains. Unshare. Okay, your audio was fine for just till the last ten seconds of that. I don't know why it does that. That was really that was really weird. Um, okay. Oh well. My apologies. We tried to get as much of that in there without issues, but at least I know what the issue is now, so I can try to figure it out that it's with uh, with Zoom, uh, and uh, we'll try to get that straightened in the long term. In the meantime, while you were doing that, I. Uh, figured why don't we look at the wonderful CFS model, which is probably one of the most volatile of, um, of model runs. I pulled up the monthly forecast. So let's see, and I'm gonna tell you what I think Noah's gonna do, okay? I, I, and I, and I, can, okay. I, I, can, I can pretty much state that in a, in a couple of sentences. Noah will, will, will put out a forecast based on the week, the developing week. They've, they've proclaimed the other day that we do have a La Nina going on again. Uh, and uh, it, it, but it's a, it's a weak La Nina, but it is a La Nina. I think that they will um, 
uh, put up a map that reflects a La Nina forecast, uh, which uh, would be consistent with the map that they had for, that you showed for, for, uh, for the monthly forecast there. Uh, it'll be consistent with that. And then they'll throw in the caveat as far as the, uh, the, 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 the Northeast that uh, the the uh, the blanket statement that they they've been putting out for the past few years is that uh, the north the uh, the North Atlantic Oscillation slash Greenland block that's something that is 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 very volatile and we can't forecast it so that's the one <clears throat> that'll be the one uh, fly in the ointment as far as uh, far as uh, it's concerned I don't, I would be shocked if you if you got anything other than that I would be shocked. All right. Well, again, I, I, I maintain that what we just looked at, both in terms of temperature probability and also in terms of uh, precipitation probability for the cold period, December, January, February, is not going to differ all that much from what you just saw based upon their September outlook. And again, tomorrow, they should be issuing their October outlook. They'll also, with some fanfare, announce that this is their official winter forecast. And if that be the case, what it shows for us is uh, a milder than normal winter. They'll ballyhoo that, especially here in New York. Oh, it looks like the winter, according to the people at, uh, in, in the, uh, at NOAA, it's going to be a mild winter. And they're not sure if it's going to be a wet winter or a dry winter. You know, the, the same BS. Yeah. And we'll. <clears throat> I, I just we'll, find we'll this. What... I just find all this stuff in general. Not your, not what you did. I'm, I'm not what you did or what you, what you said, or, or I just find you know this this obsession with that a lot of folks have trying to figure out stuff. You know, three three to four months ahead of time is just kind of a waste of time. You know, I just they come when they come. I don't know if there's going to be a lack. You know, somebody, uh, uh, John Charles says, as lack of nor'easters and inland rubbers. I, you know, do we really know that? I mean, can we really fork? Uh, look at last year. I mean, when you really look at last year as a whole, you had, you had a three-week period. Uh, you had a three to four-week period from late November to just before Christmas, where uh, we had a we had a blocking pattern that set up. Uh, and uh, we had cold weather, and we had one pretty decent snowfall out of it. Uh, then we kind of went quiet, and of course we know we had thunderstorms and temperatures up at 70 on Christmas Eve, uh, and down here they had a snowstorm with a half a foot to a foot of snow on Christmas Eve. But uh, then we wound up going through a period from late December through much of January where it was you know, really didn't do very much. And then we had another three to four week stretch there going into the month of February till about the, the, the till just past, say, the traditional Washington's birthday, where the pattern was very dynamic. And we had several snow, you know, we had several snow events that ran through. So, you know, I don't think you if, until until the forecast for me, from a practical standpoint, until you can until somebody can sit down today and say, this is how the winter is going to look like in in the general area, and you pick pick whatever general area, and then give a forecast like I just did, explaining what actually happened last year. That at least is a little more practical. That at least to me says uh, you know, has a little more value to it. But nobody can do that now. Nobody can do that. So so I don't know. I just don't. I I don't get the obsession. I think it's a way of being. You know, for for. 
it, it's a good way to get very disappointed if you're a snow lover or a cold weather lover. Now, I'm looking at CFS on the CFS forecast, by the way, uh, which, you know, we just talked about the fact of how warm it's been in Canada. Well, guess what? Uh, this is for the month of November, uh, showing above normal temperatures up in, in Canada and below average temperatures in the southeastern part of the United States, because I'm here. Then on uh, December, uh, you're looking at just about the whole country. The whole country is above normal. Western and Central Canada are actually below normal. January, eh, slightly above normal to above to, to maybe a little bit more than that from Texas to New England. February, the whole South is burning up. Now suddenly all of Canada is cold. And then March, all of Canada and the Northern tier are near or below normal. Everybody else is above. And then naturally you get into April, and it, it's normal to slightly below normal, clear down to the Carolinas. <laughs> so, I don't, yeah, I, this is this is the CFS. And if you look at the CFS model in a couple of days, you're likely to see something completely different. Two weeks ago, it was having it cold for November or December, uh, and uh, near average for January and February. Now it's backed off on that. So you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just I'm not impressed with this sort of stuff anymore. I think what you're going to see in the coming years ahead, and I think one of the, the Farmers Almanac did that uh, this this year, is that rather than just try to broad brush everything and say, well, uh, this part of the country is going to have below normal temperatures and that part of the country is going to be wetter than normal, I think they actually uh, tried to headline various times during the winter. Uh, I think they, they said uh, January was going to be especially uh, rough in terms of cold and snow, but then things were going to calm down during February. And I guess that's the way you have to, if you're going to do a long-range forecast over a span of three months, you know, and you just pointed this out, Joe, you know that there are going to be intervals when there's going to be uh, a sudden change from what was uh, what was forecast or what was initially predicted, that they're going to be, if you went for a warm winter, but you have a two-week stretch where all of a sudden it got cold and snowy, that's what people are going to remember. In fact, I can tell you that if the forecast is for milder temperatures, and it is mild for, uh, will probably be mild for the Northeast, you get a couple of weeks where it's like below normal, very cold, or even have one good Nor'easter to drop, drop a lot of snow, you're going to still have a lot of people walking around saying, I thought they said this was going to be a, a, a mild winter. What the heck is this I'm looking at outside? Yeah, but if you take everything in the overview from one December to 28 February and average it all out, it may end up being above normal. You just, you're going to have those quirky periods of, you know, below normal and snow, and then you're going to have more often than not warm and dry. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's, it's in a way it's a no win situation, right. what they say or what they predict tomorrow. You know, they may say one thing, but if, but if you get that little quirk of a few weeks where it's, it's not falling into what was predicted overall, you're going to get a lot of people walking around saying, well, they blew it again. Uh, they, people don't want to look at averages. They want to look at specifics. Right, right, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> two uh, comments on the chat board here that I just want to address. Keith James saying, uh, and, and actually I think this fact makes a lot of sense. He says, why not embrace the warm weather uh, so that your heating bills this winter uh, won't be off the wall? And and, and that's, that's a that is a very valid point considering the state of uh, the uh, the markets right now, the uh, the heating oil market, the oil market, 
and particularly, especially the national, the uh, natural gas market, where we've seen prices there double uh, in the last uh, couple of months. And and that um, should be noted that if uh, uh, what's not priced into the price of nat gas, which has gone from three dollars per cubic, whatever it is, to six, almost six dollars. Uh, per cubic, whatever it is. Uh, what is not priced in that natural gas uh, pri uh, price, what's not priced in, is uh, if we have a front-end loaded winter and we start to see the, uh, if we start to see a colder looking November and December, uh, the, the price of nat gas will go higher, okay? Because a cold start to the winter is not priced in, okay? Natural gas won't rally if the back end of the winter is, is it's um, it, it's going to be cold because by then everybody looks at it at that point and saying, well, in a couple of weeks, it'll be almost over with anyway. But the front end loaded winter possibility will drive prices even higher. So uh, you are absolutely, absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, correct uh, on that uh, observation. And the other one uh, from John Charles saying, if you want to uh, non-conservative, and I know you uh, you don't mean politically conservative, but a non-conservative forecast, uh, just look at the long-range outlooks of the usual suspects. And that goes to what I have said many, many times, and, and I'll say it again. Uh, the long-range forecast from the usual suspects, the same every year. Every year, it's going to be a cold and snowy winter in the east, because the eastern part of the United States uh, it is probably the one that is most uh, sensitive to heavy snowfalls and cold weather and uh, has the most the biggest impact. So what gets people to click on that story, uh, those headlines is forecasting a cold and snowy winter in the northeast, in the east, particularly in the northeast and mid-Atlantic states. Because if you, if you write something that's that that says something else, no one's going to read it. So you're right. The usual suspects say the usual things every year. You know what? Broken clocks are right twice a day. And the fact remains that in terms of some of the, if you look at the frequency, and Joe, you'll agree with me on this. If you look at the frequency of, of, of really cold winters, they, they don't, even if you go back, there have been cold cycles and cold stretches where more often than not, you get a string of years where temperatures are colder than normal, but for the most part, it's a haphazard type of event. Uh, you get a year, a year here, a year there. Maybe you get two years in a row. Maybe you even string together three back to back. But to get it year after year after year just doesn't happen. Uh, it, it, it just that just doesn't. That's just not how it works. So correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I, I, I agree with you. Um, but, but as I said a few moments ago, maybe, and John Charles uh, saying, you know, the, the long range forecast from the usual suspects. Yeah, but maybe the usual suspects are beginning to change now uh, in their projections for an upcoming winter by instead of just simply broad brushing and saying, oh, you're going to have dry weather, you're going to have much colder weather with lots of snow. Maybe in the coming years ahead, we'll start seeing uh, more of a breakdown more of a, all right, December, going to be a really bitter, frigid month, but it's going to get a lot milder by January, you know, kind of breaking it down. And I, that's the only way you could do that, because as I said, nobody remembers the overview of things, the, uh, the, the, the forecast averaged out over 90 days. 
they they their minds change very quickly when all you have is just one singular case in point the winter of 82 83 was an el nino was a was an el nino winter here in the northeastern United States. It was, in fact, in when they looked at uh, over everything, one of the warmest winters in 50 years, the winter of 82, 83. But in that winter, for a couple of days, we had a blast of cold air come down across the northeast, coinciding with a storm coming up from the south. What happened? Record-breaking snowfall over much of the northeastern in right. the corridor from Washington to Boston. When the winter was over, and they were people were asked, what kind of a winter was it? Did they say it was a mild winter? Did they say it was unusually warm uh, temperature? No. The only thing they remembered was that one big snowfall, which occurred over a span of just a few days. Oh, it was a terrible winter. Oh, all that snow. And I, so the mind can be uh, – the, the, the idea uh, of what a winter is going to be like can be colored by just one singular major event and not in the overview of things from early December to late February. And maybe that's how the forecast should be done now, is not looking at the whole winter. You should try to zero in on various parts of the winter, like maybe the early part will be cold, the middle part will be dry, the, the latter part will be wet and mild. That's, that's maybe the only way that's gonna settle things. So I fully expect tomorrow, um, they're gonna talk about La Nina, they're going to talk about unseasonable warmth in the northeastern United States, a mild winter. And then they're going to talk about, well, we're not certain, you know, the coin toss. It could be mild. It could be it could be wet. It could be dry. We're not sure about that. You know, it's again, it's the same BS that, you know, the, right. was mentioned by John Charles and you. It's going to be the same same story uh, tomorrow. And I guarantee you that by tomorrow night, all the local news channels, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7, when they're talking to Lonnie Quinn and Lee Goldberg and you know all, the, all their weather experts, they're going to say, "Well, looks like from what we just heard, it's going to be a mild winter, right?" <laughs> it's, right. It's, it's the same thing all well, over and over again. See, see the whole truth. Here's a here's another great point. Uh, as, as a nation, the deep fear winter uh, would be a tra would be a trashed breadbasket. And uh, deeper winter potential, again, tearing up the crops. We can't do two years in a row without taking a big, big hit. And I think that makes that's a valid point uh, with respect to with respect to the uh, the kind of winter it is. We really should be looking at it in terms of, well, where the impacts really matter. I mentioned about heating oil and natural gas and the and the costs. And, you know, he brings up, um, you know, the growing areas. Uh, where you know you've got winter wheat, which is a big deal, okay, among other things. So uh, you know, and of course, the longevity of the winter could also impact you know how soon do crops get planted in the spring. Uh, the early onset of a winter, well, the harvest is pretty much done with, and at least from the standpoint, the weather, um, you know, is 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 cooperating. But you know, places that do grow winter winter wheat, are, you know, I don't, I'm I, I'm guessing that they put that they start growing that stuff now. So you know. Uh, that's where these long-range forecasts have, have 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 importance. For the rest, for the rest of humanity, it's yeah. You know, unless we get to a point where you could sell your house uh, in October and buy it back in April, because we're going to have a cold winter and you don't want to pay the heating bills and the electric bills and and all the rest of it. I mean, it's not like you're going to sell your house and move 
just to escape a, a, a winter where temperatures are going to uh, run a few degrees below average and the snowfall is going to run above average. And of course, we both know that uh, those two those two things don't necessarily go hand in hand. You could have a cold winter with very little snow. You could have a warm winter with a lot of snow. Uh, as you pointed out, 82, 83, there's numerous other examples of that um, along the way. So, you know, we can go on. We can go on like this forever. I don't think we're going to solve. We're not going to ever solve this problem other than to, uh, to, to point out that what you read and what you hear, uh, you know, in gossip rooms regarding, you know, uh, what the winter is, is going to be like um, is a lot of it is predicated on, on, you know, I'm not talking about Noah here or some of the more reputable uh, longer range folks, but uh, the rest of the crowd, I, I just, you know, it, it's not even worth your time. Oh, um, yeah. I should ask I, Jim Witt what he's forecasting for uh, for the upcoming winters. His, uh, his famous uh, Hudson Valley calendar has come out. Again, once again, used primarily, not, not primarily, used entirely to aid and help uh, uh, children's charities across the region. And uh, I had not had a chance to look at Jim's long-range forecast. I'd be interested to know what he is thinking for this upcoming uh, winter uh, season. Well, let's see but... if you want to get him on the show again. Let's uh, let's let's aim for that. Okay. In the meantime, teleconnections, folks. Just talking about long-range. Uh, the NAO has been negative since uh, the last week of December. I'm sorry, the last week of September, uh, and. Uh, uh, maybe that slip of the tongue might be a, a, a future forecast. I don't know. But uh, it's been negative the whole month of October so far, and most of the members have it negative through the end of the month. Uh, so that tells you that uh, higher pressures in the North Atlantic, uh, lower pressures in the mid-latitudes, uh, that uh, should be a, a cooler look uh, in, the, uh, in the eastern states. But remember, uh, the Canada is warm and is still uh, uh, showing signs of staying warm for the next couple of weeks. And the PNA, the Pacific North America Index, is positive now, uh, going above the neutral line and uh, going up uh, between one and two standard deviations from the mean positive. And most of the members keep it positive through the end of the month. So I, I think the part here that's missing is the East Pacific oscillation. If you look at the upper flow, and this is just looking at it this morning, uh, you don't have a very, yeah, you do have a Canadian connection uh, that is finally developed, but it's in the southern half of Canada which been, where it's been warm. You don't have the upper flow. If we follow the flow, folks, just, just watch from the trough and the bridges. So here's your jet stream, okay? So, you know, you got this upper low that's up in eastern, in southern James Bay this morning. And we're getting air that's coming down from between Great Slave Lake and Lake Winnipeg. But guess what? There's no air. There's no flow from up here. Okay. There's nothing coming, you know, in any kind of Arctic flow that has penetrated reasonably far south. And we're going to swing this trough out to the east and it lifts out, which, you know, troughs do. You got this little blocking high that's kind of sitting there up in Greenland, forcing everything to go underneath us. So here comes the next trough, and as Joe pointed out at the end of the week, this one actually strengthens uh, as it reaches the eastern seaboard going through the weekend. It looks like it's going to keep any 
low that develops off uh, along the coast. Keep it well out to the east. But it, here, at least, Joe, when you get into next week, just to show you, just to illustrate the difference, uh, if you follow the flow, our air is actually coming from northeastern Canada, almost from northern uh, northwestern Greenland. That that is colder than what we're seeing now with this shot this week. So this is the reason why the air mass for next weekend is likely to be colder. Meanwhile, take a look at what's going on out in the West. You got another deep trough in the deep upper low in the Gulf of Alaska and troughing into the western part of the United States. So Northwest Canada is not see not feeding any cold air uh, into Canada itself. And working our way through the long range, uh, still kind of have this problem here. Uh, take a look at uh, now. I'm not, let's assume. Let's let's assume, and it's not going to happen. Uh, it's not never going to look this way. But if you take a look at this, uh, the, this upper air pattern in two weeks, which brings us to November second. Look at the flow in Canada. Again, it's coming up from the south. It's not, you know, all the cold air, the cold, cold air is kind of locked up here uh, in, uh, in in northwest, well up into northwest Canada and over the Arctic regions. So you got to fix that, okay? By the way, if we take a look, this is two weeks from now. I'm just going to, I'm curious as to what the two-meter temperature anomaly is. Probably, you know, it, 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 in, in a pattern like that. So you're finally seeing, you know, some cold coming into Western Canada. Again, this is because of the troughing that's in the Western part of the United States. But look, look at Central and Eastern Canada, all above normal, way above normal in temperatures, near normal from New York State down into the Southeast, a couple of patches a little above, a couple a little below. But look how warm it is, relatively speaking, up in Canada. You got that, you got to fix that. That has to be fixed. It's not going to be fixed until the East Pacific Oscillation uh, fixes itself. And and well, if you if if you look at the ten millibar map, what we uh, lovingly uh, sometimes refer to as the uh, uh, the map that we look at, you know, for the positioning of the polar vortex over the next couple of weeks, it appears uh, uh, that all the cold air is flowing into Norway and uh, Sweden and Finland. That that's the that's the area that's getting the, all the cold. And in terms of Canada, Joe, it looks to me uh, over the next couple of weeks, looking at that map, the 10 millibar map, uh, that uh, a Which ridge, I have up on the screen. It'll be up there in a second. A large ridge of high pressure over the next couple of weeks builds over Canada. And you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, it, it appears that if you're looking for cold air, especially over Canada, it ain't there, folks. Not with that ridge building up or inflating like a like a balloon, you want cold, again, you have to go to someplace like Norway, maybe even uh, up in the northern uh, UK, Scotland, yes. uh, for example. Uh, th th those areas, that's that's the uh, target area for, for cold. For Canada, at least over the next couple of weeks, it ain't happening. I mean, uh, there will be some shots of, occasional shots of uh, cooler or chillier than normal air, but uh, in the overview of things from now until early November, you want cold. It, it ain't happening here in the Western Hemisphere. You have to go uh, to uh, Siberia or maybe uh, up into uh, northern sections of Europe. That's where all the cold air is is, is taking shape right now. And, and by the, the way, and, and by the way, speaking of the nat gas price, uh, it's more important to see the the area that's actually going to have a real problem with this 
is Europe. Uh, they have a they have a critical gas shortage, the natural gas shortage that has developed. And and I pulled up the 10 millibar, but now I've actually gone to the you got you struck my curiosity here with respect to uh, the um, weather conditions in Europe, where it, I'm just going back to Saturday and now moving through this week. Uh, you do have colder than normal temperatures in in, in the UK, in Norway, in Sweden. Uh, into uh, and then eventually moving into much of Western Europe. Uh, in fact, starting from late this week, going right through the last, going into the last week of October. I mean, it's actually pretty cold across much of Europe, except for the UK and Norway. Gets a warm up with another. You can see where when you look at follow the anomalies, you can actually see the weather fronts going by where the weather fronts are. But late in the forecast period, because of that 10 millibar, I mean, it, it's really cold in, in Norway, Western uh, Western Germany, France, Spain, uh, even down uh, into Northern Africa, pushing a little bit below average. That's kind of interesting. It also leads me to want to look at, since we really haven't spent any time uh, with regards to a Siberian snow cover, we are through the middle of the month. I have not seen any anybody post. I'm sure someone has. I have not seen any posts regarding um, the snow the snow cover growth, uh, the rate of snow cover growth. So it'll be interesting to see here. Now this takes us through November second. I mean, you do have snow uh, two week snow totals. This is not snow cover. Uh, actually. Uh, even into Northern Ireland and Northern Scot uh, uh, the northern half of uh, uh, northernmost England and into Scotland, showing uh, some snowfall there, and a good chunk of Eastern Europe on the edge of snowfall. Let's take a look at the uh, uh, what, what it looks like over Asia, because this is going to be more relevant. And there you go. I mean, you know, the northern. You know, you get a lot of snow supposed to fall on the northern flank of the Siberian snow cover growth area and also on the east, the uh, westernmost flank of all of this. So that'll be interesting to see if that winds up verifying. And I might as well do it. Let me let me bring up. I got this. Bring up the snow cover at the moment. And I'm only going to be able to do this kind of on an eye, you know, from like an eyeball by eyeballing it, I really would like to see a graph that graphic that shows the uh, rate of snow cover growth and in comparison to other years. But um, we can go to, let's see. Uh, maps, okay, that's the National Ice Center. I don't want that. So let's go to snow cover. Uh, come on. Let's see. Let's see if that's the right link. They changed the website, Joe, at the National Ice Center. So they put the the snow maps there. Actually, it's it's kind of cool because they have they they uh, it, it, in some ways it's a little easier. So I can, we'll do with I'll bring up a thirty day animation of Asia and Europe in terms of actual snow cover growth. So there you are. It's, um, I would say just going back from memory, this goes right through October 16th. Uh, to me, 
Uh, it looks like the snow cover growth in Siberia is subpar, uh, but you know, again, I would like to see it in terms of a chart, uh, but that does look subpar to me. And if we take a look at North America, well, why don't we look at Alaska? Let's do a 30-day animation of Alaska. Let's see what happens if I hit enlarge. Okay, well, that's sort of bigger. And I don't know, Joe, to me, if you look at if you look at that part of North America for where we are in the calendar, I would have expected to see much more snow cover than that. You notice that Greenland is always white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that means I don't mean if that I don't know if that means anything, but uh yeah. And, and we talked about we touched about the fact that a few years ago, uh from mid-October on, it seemed like all of Canada or most of Canada was uh, was in white that they had unusually high amount of snow cover for so early in the season that is most definitely not happening now and certainly if the uh, pattern that we just saw of a uh, ridge of high pressure builds over canada in the coming uh, days and weeks that ain't going to ha be happening even on into early november so right uh it doesn't look all that that good for uh for, for snow right now. It also uh, seems right to now. me, again, I, I'm just kind of eyeballing it, but the um, the yellow is the ice growth. And I would like to say, I've got to take a look at the charts later today and maybe talk about this to, tomorrow if you don't want to get a little time. But uh, it does seem to me that uh, we're seeing, you know, faster ice growth on the Arctic side. Now that could be because of where the the polar vortex is positioned, which is up close to Siberia. Uh, but that's kind of interesting that uh, you're, you're, I, I think I think the North America, uh, the, the uh, snow cover growth is relatively subpar uh, from 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 what I'm looking at. Uh, I, I would like to, again, like to see somebody uh, with a chart uh, to, uh, you know, so that I'm not just, you know, I just doing it from memory and from eyeballing it. And if you want to look at all of North America, and I'll bring up that animation, that seven-day animation, uh, you'll see, I mean, there's nothing. There's, this is going very little. You see the snow from last week that happened in the Rockies. And it's there, and in the last few frames, it actually starts to shrink up. But, uh, I mean, you got to go north, well north of 60 degrees north to find any snow. And, and that might be telling if that doesn't change. If we're sitting here in, in two weeks and <clears throat> looking at uh, more of the same in terms of snow cover growth over, over North America, you know, that, that's telling you that there's a problem. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. I just wanted to mention something here on uh, the chat board that uh, Krishnapedia wanted to know. That we should get Lee Goldberg on here, uh, and Steve Lapointe point came on and said ABC won't allow their employees on here. Uh, Steve, you're you're right and you're wrong. ABC, uh, I don't know. ABC might allow Lee Goldberg uh, to come on, but all of the channels, and I'm talking about channels two, channels four, five, and seven. We here at Joe and Joe have approached all of those guys and said, "How would you like to appear?" on the Joe and Joe show. We have a good following. It's uh, we talk nothing more than uh, meteor meteorology. And uh, it's not, it's not CBS, NBC, uh, ABC. It is their corporate entities that are keeping those personalities 
from appearing on Joe and Joe. At ABC, it's Disney, believe it or not. If you think of Disney as such a wonderful place, you think of Disney as being the most wonderful place in the world, yeah, maybe, but as a corporate entity, they do not want their employees appearing anywhere else than right there on ABC. Uh, NBC, NBC Universal. And again, we'd love to have Janice Hoff on, but Universal would preclude that. CBS, Lonnie Quinn, precluded from appearing because of CBS Viacom. You can no longer look at these as you know, just one entity, CBS, NBC, ABC. You now have to look at the corporate people who own those companies, Fox. That's why Nick Gregory, Nick, Nick has told me directly, I'd love to appear, but unfortunately Fox does not allow uh, their, their people from appearing on, uh, on programs other than their own. It's, it's, it's a sad situation, but that, that's the story. Um, we, we'd love to have these people on. We'd love to chat with them about their careers. We wouldn't be you know, controversial. We wouldn't ask them anything you know, personal or something that would cause a problem otherwise. Oh, we won't? And I've been to... <laughs> oh, darn. I was waiting for you to say that. Oh, darn. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> and I've been through this, and I know you've been through it. When I was at Cablevision on News 12, you know, oh, you're going to a, you're, you're going to talk on ABC Radio. Well, we have to find out what the questions are first before we allow you to go on there and talk to them. Or, or you know, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So that's why we uh, we are restricted from uh, from talking to any of the you know, these people will probably never appear. Of course, if they if they leave and they go somewhere else, or if they retire, yeah, that's another story. But right now, we 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 simply cannot have these. Uh, these great people on our right. air because and, of that. And, and so. you know, uh, I'm gonna, I'll make my point in a second. Leon Probitsky hitting super chat. Thank you, Leon. Most appreciated uh, on this Sunday. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, the other thing is on on that note, Joe. Uh, and and I mean, I'm actually enjoying this conversation very much, if only because of the fact that we really don't have any weather to talk about going forward this week. It's going to be a nice week. So we went on a tangent. We somehow found our way to Siberian snow cover, and now we're talking about this, which is great. Uh, but but uh, we live in a culture where people, thanks to the internet, uh, you know, there is, I've always believed in the law of unintended consequences. You create something that is good, and somehow it winds up being not so good. In some instances, and we live in a culture where there is an entire industry, Joe, there is an entire industry that whose job it is to go back and dig and find things that you might have said uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, you know, the fact that you pulled uh, Peggy Sue's uh, uh, Peggy Sue's ponytail pigtails. Uh, when you were in kindergarten and, you know, and then and stuck them down the inkwell uh, is now, uh, a, you know, it's a crime and you uh, will be hung out to dry. And I mean, you've got people whose, you know, whole careers are blown away uh, because of stuff, you know, stupid crap that's hap that ha that happened, you know, a million years ago. But my point is, there's a whole industry built around this. So, 
from the standpoint of the corporate heads that are, are watching all of this and saying, you know, we have to protect our, our investment, we have to protect our, our employee, you know, he might, you know, they might go on a show where, where something might be taken out of context and the ball starts rolling downhill from there. So I, I, in a way, I don't blame those people for at all for not wanting to come on, uh, if only because, you know, how much upside is there from coming on? There's not a whole lot of upside, and it, it, and if you, you know, if you say something, uh, you know, because you and I, when we have conversations and we talk about this, because we've got nothing to lose. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we work for anybody anymore. But somebody could come along and take something that someone says and, you know, we get into a subject of climate change and you get someone that maybe, you know, says something, uh, it, it says, says, if someone could come on, Joe, and say what I said at the beginning, talking about the what's going on in the Arctic versus what's going on in the Antarctic and twist that around to say that you're a denier, okay? And then right. take that and run with it. Uh, it gets on Twitter. There's a huge firestorm of morons on Twitter who don't, who can't read much beyond a noun verb noun. Uh, and of course, you know, every everybody's a everybody's a climate expert. Everybody is a uh, an epidemiologist. Everybody is a a, a brain surgeon. Uh, and it just it just you know. It goes like this. So we get all the retired people who, go, who are old curmudgeons who have nothing to lose, <laughs> or either that, or they just, you know, they're just like me. I don't care. Um, and you know, and, and, and everybody's welcome to come on the show. And I, I, I don't blame them for not wanting, you know, if, if they don't, uh, if they can't come on because because of the current climate uh, uh, situation. When I say climate, I mean the uh, the cancel culture. That's out there. So, which of course I've now just offended the people who support the cancel culture. So they're probably going to be coming after me uh, for being against the cancel culture. One of my oldest, one of my oldest and dearest friends, who was actually the best man at my wedding, uh, his name is Sam Storch, and he now lives in the Boynton Beach area of Florida. And he, uh, I just spoke to him a couple of nights ago, and he says, "Do you have any kind of a topic?" He said, "Because uh, all of the, all of the." Uh, the uh, societies now, all the astronomy clubs are doing their their uh, meetings virtually via Zoom. He said, do you have any kind of a talk that you can provide about weather or weather-related issues uh, going hand-in-hand -hand with astronomy? And I said, oh, well, uh, I developed a talk uh, from something that uh, my, my, my friend Joe Chiaffi, he, he didn't want to do uh, a specific, this type of topic at a library a few years ago. And he said, you want to do it? And I developed a talk, and it was very successful. And I've done it many times for other libraries up here in our area. And I said, it's, it's called uh, the science of astrometeorology. Does weather or can weather be affected by the motions of the moon, by the output of the sun's energy, the planets or whatever? And I suggested that to him. And he called me back yesterday. He bounced that off uh, one of the people from the club. And he came back and says, does, does your talk involve anything in terms of global warming or climate change? And I said, well, yeah, you have to talk about something like that. And if you're going to deal with it, he said, then we can't do, do uh, we can't allow you to do the talk. Why? And I said, excuse me. And I said, excuse me. 
He said, why can't I do the talk? He said, unfortunately, there are some members of the club who get very hyper and very heated under the collar when the very mention of climate change or global warming is mentioned. Uh, they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear this. Remember that this is in Florida, Joe. Uh, this hi, is down in hyper, Florida. Hyper in, in which direction? I'm curious. I mean, are they hyper if you're if if. Well, if I, I hate if to I put, talk it, about I hate the to put it like this, but but I don't I don't I hate to put it like this, but saying you know, um, are you for it or against it? I mean, because that's that's really what you know that that's a silly way to look at it. But people look at it that right. way. It's it, it, as if as if it's an issue, you know. Unfortunately, it, it, they did. Unfortunately, I think, and while I try it, try to play it as at best right down the middle, in terms of. Uh, climate change and global warming, uh, try to present both sides of the issue. If I even mention the side that is uh, talking about what we're doing to the atmosphere because of overpopulation and too much CO2 in the air, and if I even touch or go across that line, the people who would be down in Florida would get very upset because okay. they believe that this, is not, this has nothing to do with with anything other than it, it it's crazy. But well, I, look, I, I'm going to be I, I'm going to be fair about this. I'm going to piss off both sides, but I don't care. Okay, um, you know, if you marry your politics to 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 what's going on, you know, to to to, to science and data, okay, and and not and 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 or and decide before you even hear anything from someone, uh, because. Uh, what you have to say or what I have to say when we talk about da data, um, that's it, it, not a point of view if we're talking about numbers, okay? But if we're talking about data and you're, someone is going to twist it into a political conversation, um, you know, that that's sad. I mean, that's really sad. I mean, it kind of shows me that, you know, tells me that, well, I guess you're not really you know, you're not really you're not really willing to learn something that you really have no expertise. The, you know, the person, not you, but the people that are listening to this have already pre have a predisposed notion of, of what of what's going what 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 uh, this all this stuff means because they're all obviously experts. They're all climatologists, and they're all you know uh, they all work in the field. They all have doctorates. Uh, They've already have their minds made up. On the other hand, I will point out, by the way, it works both ways because I remember back a number of years ago uh, giving a talk to I think it was the Rotary Club in uh, in Nassau County, and you know we were talking about it was it was a winter weather talk, and there was one person in the audience that uh, <clears throat> that was part of the group that was going. I wasn't even talking about climate change at all. And he just went on this rant and rave about uh, about climate change and how you know it's never going to snow again and it's never going to get cold again and the world is going to hell in a handbasket uh, from from that. But in a really you know just did it in a really condescending and nasty way. Uh, so it's on both sides here. Uh, this is all about science and pre presentation of science. We're not you know we're not. You know, we're not here to take political positions uh, when it comes to policy. Okay, when it comes to the redistribution of money, because that's what that's what the argument's really all about. It's moving money from point from taking money from one group of people and giving it to somebody else. So, um, you know, I, I hear that sort of stuff, Joe. It just really pisses me off. It just does. Well, but it, in the talk, I I, I bring up 
Dr. John Eddy, who was with NASA back in the 1970s. He had uh, heard about how there was a paucity, a lack of sunspots during the uh, late 16 and early 1700s. Didn't believe it. He said, no, this is ridiculous, and did some investigation, found that there was actually no sunspots or hardly any solar activity during that time frame, then went further and found out that there was no uh, – that the, the, the weather during that time was what we call the Little Ice Age and said, is there a correlation between the lack of sunspots when the sun is quiet and periods of cold weather? Now, this, this guy is not a quack. This, this guy was a highly regarded solar physicist with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, but this was in the 1970s. And since that time, others ran with that and said, we're going to keep watching the sun, and when the sun is quiet, that could mean that we're in for colder conditions long term. It's what's called the Maunder Minimum, because it was first noted by a gentleman, uh, a German scientist back in the 1800s, uh, Gustav Maunder and John Eddy, Dr. Eddy, referred to this as the Maunder Minimum, the Maunder Solar Cycle. Well, now, here we are in the 2000s, and when I was at News 12, I went to a discussion uh, being held here in the New York area. I brought the, the camera people with me or whatever and talked to a gentleman by the name of Gavin Schmidt, also with NASA, also uh, in terms of world and atmospheric studies and climatology. And I said, what do you think about this, Dr. Schmidt? Is this really true that the sun has any kind of say in regard to our weather? And he said, absolutely not. Now, remember, the guy in the 70s was with NASA. This guy I'm interviewing is with NASA. Two different opinions. I said, so if it were not the sun, what is it? And he pointed out volcanism, volcanoes. There was an unusual amount of volcanic activity during the 16 and 1700s, which put a lot of dust, caused a lot of aerosol cloud cover across the northern hemisphere, which reflected the sunlight, kept a lot of the sun's heat and energy from reaching the Earth, which eventually led to that dramatic drop in temperature. So, again, this is the, the, the uh, there was no correlation. Two distinct, diametrically opposite opinions on why we went through a uh, cold spell here in the Northern Hemisphere. And I, I bring up in the discussion the fact that people are hoping for no sunspots and no solar activity because they say this might reverse global warming. But again, by mentioning that, that statement in regard to what these two scientists from NASA have mentioned, I'm apparently precluded from even talking about this or even mentioning it or even giving the talk to this group down in Florida because they don't want to hear anything about it if it has to do with any 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 but you know but, but, but the difference is but the difference is and this is i think it's an important di distinction here if you look at those two people and those two people gave you they looked at they looked at data okay they looked at numbers they looked at data okay and one came up with this conclusion and one came up with this conclusion okay uh they could you could you could make a case that you could find a third person that will come into the equation and and, and give them the same data and say you know what they're both wrong so but but that's fine okay you're not deciding because that's because ultimately do by by different people looking at things examining data and coming to different conclusions where one says yes the other one says no a third person will come in and say maybe that if we keep going through that process that eventually you get to a better answer 
Um, you know, somebody could come along and say that, well, you know, maybe they're both wrong. Or but somebody could come along and say, you know what, maybe they're both right. It is the volcano right. and it is the sunspots. All right. But to decide that one of them is right and one of them is wrong because the politics of because you not only have to look at the data, but then you have to say, well, before I decide whether you're valid, where is where are you politically? That's the that is the problem here. Okay, you should right. not be asked. That is not the uh, that is not an appropriate question to ask, and it's not an appropriate way to decide whether you know what the true answer is. So you know, and and, and this is where I get heated. I always say when somebody asks me that question, uh, ask me the question about global warming: Is it true? Is it not true? And I just say, look, let's look at the data. The data says that the Earth is warm by two degrees or Celsius or whatever the number is in the last 50 or 60 or 70 years. You can't dispute that. It's That's the data. Okay. Now, if you want to get into a conversation about uh, whether that's a, 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 a whether that is an issue, a social issue, okay, that is not a conversation I want to get into, okay, because that's a political discussion. And I don't want to discuss, and I don't want to talk about that. And then I I get heat for answering the question that way, uh, because I see it as a way of protecting myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get involved. There's there's no, I, I, I there's nothing for me to gain by getting into a political conversation with somebody uh, over data. All right, so I don't I avoid it, and people get mad at me for avoiding it. The left side will say that I'm avoiding it because I'm a denier. Okay. The right side of the equation says I don't have the guts to admit that that uh, I'm afraid to, to to admit what the answer. No, the answer is I really don't know what the answer is. I leave it to people that are higher pay grades than I am to 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 make those decisions to to look at the stuff because that's what they get paid for. That's they're smarter than me. Okay, there are people in this world, Joe, that are smarter than me. <laughs> I, I really yes, there are amazingly so. You know, I thought I was on the top of the Einstein level. I, I guess it's a you know, uh, I'm disappointed to find out that that's not the case. There are people that's smarter than me, and when I don't know something, I go to those people and I say, you know what, you're smarter than me. Tell me what I need. You know, this is what I don't understand. Explain it to me. I'm like, nobody does that anymore. Everybody is everybody's an Einstein. You talk to anyone, you get into these conversations, they all know everything, okay? And, and what's really sad, what's really sad is they know everything and they know it based on, um, not by reading, not by research of a real, you know, I'm not talking about some wayward internet site that, 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 that that's, that's all BS, okay? But I'm talking about real research, re, you know, real, real, um, uh, pay, uh, stuff that's written on uh, about these subject matters. Uh, no, they are watching. Uh, they're watching the political. Pe you know, they're watching the bent, rage-driven newscasts of various channels, be it CNN, Fox, MSNBC. You know, um, and by the way, we all have you know funny uh, acronyms. Those acronyms with you know like. Um, you know, CBS is the can't be serious network. NBC is, uh, <laughs> um, uh, what was, what was, oh, nothing but crap. 
Okay. NBC was nothing but crap. Uh, ABC was always bad and confusing, and on and on it goes. I mean, if you're if if you're making these decisions, if you're coming to these conclusions, basing basing them on these these um, these corporate entities that make money by driving rage, okay? Because that's what they're doing. They're they're making money on you by driving rage. They've not only stolen all your personal data, okay? Facebook. Um, not only have they stolen all your personal data, but they make money off your personal data, and they make money by making you making you angry. All right. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to continue. You know, I just looked at the clock, and I can't believe that we've gone as long as we have today on a on a day where we really didn't have much to talk about in terms of weather. But it's we've we've been going now for one hour and twenty five minutes. I got a pot of soup that's been that's been over boiling on the stove for the last hour and twenty five minutes. So I got I, I have to I have to get to that and turn it off. But my house does smell good. By the way, I baked. It was the second time I actually baked a huge. I made I made got dough. I made my own dough and I baked a a big round thing of bread. And. Oh, the pool's gone. Yes, the pool is gone. Well, I wanted to. I whoops. Hold on. I. Uh, I have. Yeah, I, I. I just wanted to show you what it what it looked like. Yeah, this here's here's what it looked like beforehand, and uh, you could see them tearing the. They not only tore it tore it down, they also took care of the playset. The playset was made by a company called Cedar Oaks, and when. We first got this, and our kids were like only like two, three years old. We used to treat this, or Renati used to treat this every year with like a shellac or something, something to keep it, you know, in in good condition. But over the years, we just and as the kids grew older, we just stopped doing that until finally the, the darn thing just started falling apart, and we just said, "Let's get rid of this as well as the pool." And yes, you're absolutely right. The pool is gone now. The uh, and the uh, the uh, playset is gone. So. Now we have a large area in the back with 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 nothing. We may put a new above ground pool back there, but I, you know, that's still still it's still in the in the planning stages, I think. But for those of you who are wondering, you know, what happened and how things went, there you go. It's it's all gone now. So yes, voila. All right, you're right. We've been go we've been at it for an hour and a half. Time to go bye bye. Um, okay, so. Uh, Thanks everybody for being here on a Sunday. Uh, most appreciated. Uh, get outside, enjoy the cool weather. I've already frozen to death when I went this morning at the uh, the, the dog park, uh, with, where it was 35 and it was all shade. The sun still hadn't come over the top of the mountain yet, so uh, wasn't able to use that to warm things up. It's already back to 60 here, by the way, so it warms up fairly quickly. Uh, so we'll see you tomorrow. Right. We'll be see you tomorrow at 7:30 Eastern, 7:30 uh, p.m. Eastern time. And uh, hopefully we'll have more weather to talk about. We'll see. Bye. Thanks for the super chat hit today, Leon. Most appreciated. And uh, yes, Christinapedia, people are smarter than Joe Choppy. It is, I know you're crushed. I know you're devastated. But there are people that are, a lot of people that are a lot smarter, than, <laughs> believe me, a lot smarter than I am, um, including Mr. Rayo, by the way. Um, I definitely no. defer to Mr. Rayo. Yeah. No, 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 I no, no, no.
<laughs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah, the frog, Shane. Where's your Messiah? But by the way, I was watching. Um, I was watching CNBC, which I do every day, and I was watching uh, David Faber, who um, is great. I, uh, uh, he's one of the uh, uh, anchors uh, from the nine nine o'clock hour. And uh, he was going, for those of you who watch C, uh, CNBC, uh, I think he was going at it with G, Jim Cramer. And, and Jim, Jim Cramer comes on and says, does that quote. He's, you know, uh, uh, yeah, see, how's your, messiah, <laughs> how's your messiah, how's your messiah now? I fell off my chair. <laughs> I just fell off my chair when uh, when he did that because we you know we've done that here so many times. Maybe he maybe so many he, times. Right, maybe he secretly watches this show. Uh, so I wouldn't doubt it. So you know, if, Mr. I would not uh, Mr. Kramer, if you watch this show, I've been a fan of yours for years. I think you do a spectacular job. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Okay, have a great day, everybody. Yeah, goodbye, boss.